It was an interesting opportunity to sort of carve out a team, uh, you know, according to my vision on how pricing and revenue management should be done, very, very much focused on advanced analytics and analytics-driven capabilities as opposed to you know, more, more sort of tactical and, and, and things like that. Hello, and welcome to the Roadmap to Revenue podcast. I'm your host, Greg Silverman, and on this show, we will interview today's industry leaders in analytics. We will discuss challenges, best practices, and what the future holds. If you're working in analytics and have always wanted to sit down with your peers at other companies to exchange ideas and learn, this show is for you. Join us each week as we bring you a new interview and extract our guests' expertise. This episode is brought to you by Concentric. We enable business to find their maximum revenue through prescriptive analytics. Our platform builds a mathematical twin of your market to understand the past, forecast how plans will work in the future, and search for opportunities to improve that forecast. This gives you the foresight and optimization capability that delivers revenue and a return on investment. Ready to experience market simulation just like our customers, Whirlpool, Universal, and Comcast? Contact us today at concentricmarket.com. Welcome to uh, Roadmap to Revenue. Great to uh, see everyone back. This is our sixth episode. Armin Kakash is with us today. I hope I got that right. He's smiling, so he's a very, he's a very gracious guy. And um, we were just talking before the show started and what a, what a journey you've been on. Tell us just where you're at now and kind of what your role is and what you're working on. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me, Greg. Happy, happy Friday. So I'm the Chief Commercial Officer for a corporate startup. Uh, called Torqueda Data and Analytics. We're part of the largest tire distributor in North America called American Tire Distributors. And so I'll lead uh, commercialization there. And uh, excited to talk to you, Greg. I mean, you have a fantastic background in analytics. I think my own analytics journey sort of sort of mirrors yours. I started out as a, as a business guy. I got my MBA at, um, at the Darden School of Business at the University of Virginia. Fell in love with sort of decision analytics and what we used to call business statistics and it wasn't data science back then. I'm sort of aging myself even though I... I hey, when I started, it was called strategy and research. So, you know... That's right. Or, or, yeah, <laughs> operations research and things like that. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I fell in love with that, right? And that was my sort of my favorite subjects were, were decision analytics and of course business ethics to some extent. But um, I started out with uh, General Electric. I joined a commercial leadership program after business school. So the intent was to rotate you every six to eight months. You went to a different business unit and you, you know, kind of learned the business. You took on one or two major initiatives and try to make a difference in that particular business unit. And um, it was really then where I sort of you know, augmented my you know, love and interest for analytics and particularly advanced analytics. Right? I sort of you know, saw um, in one of my rotations where I led Salesforce effectiveness uh, for, for a smaller business segment within GE Capital, I saw the power um, of you know, things like automation and things like doing analytics through coding. And at that point, it was you know, I started using R, which is now uh, still popular in academia, but I think it's um, on the decline in data science circles, right, as younger kids migrate towards Python and things like that. But it was really sort of that time where I realized... Yeah, it's when you stopped doing math, right? You just started doing coding. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's, it's, there's a way to do things more efficiently than your regular Excel and PowerPoint work, right? And so 
Um, I did that for a number of years. Um, I, I transitioned over to uh, consumer products, right? Uh, financial services was really interesting and General Electric was fantastic to work for and kind of great you know, leadership programs and things like that. But uh, just being in consumer products, the fact that you can kind of you know, feel and touch and, and imagine a product in a much more concrete way was, was certainly more exciting. And so um, I was brought on by Miller Coors to um, start up a pricing analytics and strategy team in Bentonville, Arkansas. So lived there for a few years in the mecca of Walmart. Um, and um, it was uh, about three years into it, I was recruited to Best Buy uh, to lead their pricing science team. So um, very enticing opportunity at that stage. I was still fairly you know, early on in my career, um, but it was an opportunity to, uh, to really sort of drive the pricing algorithms uh, that govern Best Buy prices uh, online and, and in the retail stores as well. So I had a team, uh, in-house team, as well as an offshore team through some consultancies where we actually developed the framework, the strategy, the algorithms, we implemented uh, dynamic pricing. And so um, it was lots of learning, lots of impact just through the sheer scale of Best Buy. It was uh, about a year and a half into it. It makes it sound like I'm uh, sort of job hopping frequently, but um, well, no, you're not 28. You know, you've had a little longevity in these places. Sure, I looked. Sure, yeah. I looked. Yeah, 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 nothing to apologize for. Yeah, yeah. And so I got a really, a really interesting opportunity to actually start a, um, a revenue management and analytics team from scratch for a privately held consumer products company. It was an ice cream company based out of Iowa. They opened up an office for uh, largely for marketing, brand management, and then for my team in revenue management. And so. It was an interesting opportunity to sort of carve out a team, uh, you know, according to my vision on how pricing and revenue management should be done. Very, very much focused on advanced analytics and analytics-driven capabilities, as opposed to you know more, more sort of tactical and, and and things like that. Assembled a really good team of you know folks with you know domain expertise and business expertise, industry know-how, but also a couple of folks with deep advanced analytics knowledge, right? People that can, you know, get into, you know, just heaps and heaps of raw data, transactional data, make sense of it, use coding to drive anything from descriptive analytics to diagnostic analytics to understand what's going on in our business, you know, predictive models to understand, you know, how price changes and promotional changes would impact the business. You know, we built our own organic trade promotion effectiveness and trade promotion optimization system, which, which was really kind of a cool moment. And yes, yeah, so I did that for about three years, and uh, an interesting opportunity came. I never thought that I would work for a tire distributor, right? Like a, a, you know, a, a round rubber product that's otherwise somewhat nondescript for most people. Never imagined. I think now I know more about tires, Greg, than I probably ever wanted to know. But you know, it, it was interesting. And you know, you've been there in your career, right? Where. Um, when I, when I talk to company leadership, right, and this is especially true with our CFO, uh, Bill Williams, and our CEO, uh, Stuart, who, who are just so passionate about analytics, and particularly advanced analytics, right, sort of recognize that, you know, we're in this era that some people dub the, the you know, second machine age, others call it industry 4.0, and they sort of had this recognition that, you know, there's a tire distributor that's been around for 100 plus years, um, and, you know, we need to evolve ourselves and we need to establish some unique differentiation in this industry where we are going to be the leaders in Industry 4.0. And so they were very serious about analytics, um, not just kind of verbally, but it was a genuine sort of recognition and support 
for an analytics-driven agenda for the company. So that really excited me. Yeah, that's a rare event to get that kind of C-suite commitment behind analytics. You know, they often are pushing back on the recommendations. Very, very rare, very rare. And so um, we moved from, from Minneapolis to Charlotte, which uh, was, I think, the, the right move. Uh, you, know, but, you know, instead of a foot, a foot of snow at, you know, in the middle of May, you're moving to a much, much more temperate climate. And so, um, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, you know, it was the right decision. And, and so it was interesting, Greg, right? You don't hear AI and machine learning and kind of tire distribution in the same, same. You don't hear that often anywhere, really, when it comes to revenue generation and startup, corporate startup. I mean, that's right. Yeah. Not, not a lot in, in particularly not in traditional industries. Right. And so, um, so I started with the revenue management organization for ATD, I led their advanced analytics group, and then I hopped over for um, hopped over into the advanced analytics center of excellence um, for ATD. That was actually founded by my current manager, a brilliant um, analytics strategist from McKinsey, uh, who sort of shared this vision by our CEO that we're going to transform this industry through data and analytics. And so um, I was largely brought in, Greg, to kind of start our externally focused analytics efforts, i.e. Um, customer facing, right? So we have, call it 80,000 retailers that American Tire Distributors, our parent company does business with. In the industry as a whole, we have probably 100 to 120,000 retailers that are tire retailers, that are auto shops, et cetera, et cetera. There's, you know, um, a couple of dozen tire manufacturers, there's countless tire distributors. And there's a fundamental problem in this business um, that that doesn't exist in, in other businesses like consumer products. Right? In consumer products, you have you know very sort of easy visibility to consumer sell through, largely through providers like Nielsen and IRI. Right? It's a it's a fairly sophisticated operation where uh, key members of the value chain, right? They have very easy visibility to consumer sell through that informs forecasts that in that in turn uh, is sort of um, informs uh, demand forecasts, manufacturing. Supply chain planning, everything. There's there's a lot of visibility to what's moving around. A lot of visibility and it makes every member of that value chain a lot more effective, right? The tire industry is very inefficient in that sense, right? So there's there's not uh, great systematic visibility to sort of detailed consumer sell through, right? Uh, it's largely a very aggregate national level. As a result, you have incredible supply chain inefficiencies. You have manufacturers with you know, um, 60, 70% fill rates, right? So imagine, imagine the consumer products world and Walmart, uh, right? I mean, you would be in deep trouble if you You'd had You'd be out of business at 70% fill rate on Tide. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. You'd be dead, it'd be, be That's over. Right. That's right, it'd be over. And so we, we had this fundamental recognition that this industry um, deals with this sort of, sort of anemic thing of having anywhere between a billion and a half to maybe two, three billion dollars worth of inefficiencies that are easily solvable with much greater transparency to the data for all players, right? Not just manufacturers, but also- Is that money the lost revenue or the buffer inventory you have to carry? It's everything, right? It's largely driven by supply chain. So it's largely buffer inventory or, or you know, sort of the, the cliche expression is, uh, right, you're, you're sort of, you're, you're unable to produce the right product for the right set of customers at the right time. And that's sort of the business problem that exists. Pricing is another element, right? I mean, pricing is very tactical in this industry, like in many traditional industries, it is largely driven by uh, competition or very simple sort of cost plus pricing. So there's a lot of money left on the table in that sense. Um, promotions, right? There's not clear systematic visibility to promotional effectiveness. 
uh, certainly not for promotional optimization. Right? So these are huge opportunities um, that we recognize that need to be uncovered. And so part of that, Greg, was, uh, and so I'm going off in a, in a very long-winded introduction, but I'm, I'm very passionate about this subject, right? Um, part of it was um, this recognition that you know, we have an opportunity to actually assemble the industry's first sort of um, data platform, right? To actually collect consumer data, aggregate it, right, in a, in a way that's sort of anonymized and things like that, and, um, and provide insights and information back to our partners, participants, retailers, distributors, manufacturers, so they can inform their supply chain planning much more accurately, they can inform their pricing strategies better, enable them to do more effective marketing, um, and more effective sort of manufacturing efficiency in their, in their factory operations, et cetera, et cetera. And so that was sort of the impetus for forming our corporate startup uh, within, within ATD. And so um, a part of that corporate startup, we uh, went from you know, maybe call it 10 or a dozen people when I joined in I think September of 2019, uh, soon to be about 61 people at the end of the year. So we're scaling fast. Um, Ton of and do you all license out the data to people? Are you licensing out the information to the partners, or no, no? So it's it's a it's a very it's an interesting business model. Um, I think I think fun, so fundamentally we we have a couple of things, and this is sort of happening in stages. But right now uh, we have a freemium set of solutions, right? Which is uh, we have you know, three solutions: one aimed at improving sort of pricing operations, pricing insights, uh, pricing efficiency. Another one aimed at improving um, inventory efficiency. So it's a tool that leverages actual real-time optimization that is aimed at improving a retailer's market coverage, uh, inventory turnover, return on invested inventory. And we have a solution that's, um, uh, that's around improving total profitability. So not just transactional profitability, but also sort of back-end rebate dollars that they can earn from manufacturers. And so that also uses real-time optimization, right? Got it. Um, and it's a premium solution, right? We basically partner with retailers who um, uh, essentially leverage our products to make better decisions. Uh, we work with their point of sale providers to ingest the data into their own kind of secure envelope encrypted environment. And we service them SaaS solutions to make their business better. So um, still very much in the nascency of our a company great yeah, but it becomes a, a Nielsen Catalina for the tire industry in the end, right? That, that's you, exactly right. You just got to have e eons of cycles of learning and collection. Now, I'll, I'll get in trouble, Armin, if I don't ask you questions about your personal journey, because that's what, you know, sure, sure. With, yeah. with tools, right? Because, I mean, the business trajectory is fantastic. And I think um, I think it's interesting, uh, just as a like a summary point on your trajectory, so many of the people who have been on the show end up in the C-suite. They didn't, you know, analytics is showing up there much faster and with with more um, backing. And you're, you're, you're a great case for that. Um, so that's that's a very exciting and, and a, aggressive project. I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed because the tire I want is never in stock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as a as an end user, I I I know the problem. I see it. Yeah, yeah. So um, just you know, so you've been in the field what 15, 20 years roughly. 
and we, we asked people, you know, wh what was the first kind of descriptive tool you used? We, we, you know, I, I'm old enough to say Lotus 1.3, so, okay, that's very embarrassing, but what are you going to do? Um, but, you know, what, what were you using, you know, the very first time you started to analyze things and, you know, what are you using today just to kind of like describe the past, right? Yeah. Oh, man. I'll, so I'll, t I'll kind of tell you my journey. It's, um, you know, certainly we started out with Excel, but, you, know, way, you know, way back when I was, you know, like 21 and I think I was a, you know, product manager and then later on I was a kind of a retail analyst at Sprint uh, out of an Overland Park, Kansas. Uh, use Excel, uh, used a bit of Crystal Ball. Remember Crystal Ball? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure do. <laughs> it was still, it's a, it's no. still one of the best thing that Oracle's ever sold, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah that's right. It's still on their website. We, we yeah. Someone quoted, we're using Crystal Ball. I'm like, oh my God, I, yes. Yeah. So, so early on in my career, this is, this is back in, uh, you know, maybe two, you know, you're going to laugh at me. This was like 2004, uh, you know, 2005. So you Excel and the analysis tool packs so ran some, you know, simple and multilinear regressions using sort of Excel. And you have to really worry you know, about making sure the data was in the right format and the right order of columns and no spaces. Stuff. Yeah. No, yeah. No spaces and things took you forever. Right. I mean, you would spend like a week trying to come up with analysis that is now possible in a matter of seconds, right? And so that was sort of in the, you know, call it early, mid 2000s. Um, and, you know, even after, you know, even after business school, I think Excel is such a powerful force in business still to this day. And I think Microsoft is doing a good job of kind of future proofing Excel. I mean, now you have custom formulas and, um, and functions actually that you can, you can actually use, uh, like and Lambda. And add-ins, they've got a lot of good add-ins. You know, that's right, that's right, that's right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, and so that, that kind of morphed into um, using statistical software. So things like, again, you're going to laugh, and for those that are allergic practitioners, uh, we uh, started using things like Minitab, for example, or SPSS, right? Um, you know, even at you know, even at more sort of sophisticated, larger enterprises like Best Buy, we had you know, SAS, right? And nothing against SAS, right? But I know the company itself is struggling with. Um, you know, this whole idea of open source being so relevant nowadays, right? And that's what especially younger, you know, sort of PhD, masters in computer science types are gravitating towards open source tools, right? Particularly Python. And so, um, you know, we've used a lot of the traditional software that has been around in kind of big retailers and most traditional companies, which were out of the box statistical softwares in that sense, right? The mini tabs, SPSS, um, SASs of the world. Um, it was probably around, you know, call it 2012 when I personally discovered R, and it was out of necessity. We had a small analytics team. We had, um, we were tasked with just a bunch of different analytics initiatives, you know, creating um, um, sort of an in-house pricing optimization suite, creating a you know promotional effectiveness tool for our client Walmart, right? And so we had to sort of be creative around how do we do this fast in a scalable manner. So I, uh, I discovered R on my own. I, I, um, it was actually around that time, about three years removed from my, my MBA, uh, where I wanted to get my master's in stats. So I enrolled, I started my master's in stats, and I quickly recognized, like, uh, this is so far removed from what we need to do in corporations, right? Which was much more akin to like a computer science degree, right? Or sort of a right, yeah. type of course. Some kind of programming language That's or right. something. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And so I started learning R, and I and I fell in love with R. Uh, I mean, I um, 
it was like, you know, it was like my family, you know, and then like, and then like, R. <laughs> like right here, you know, and, uh, but it made us very, very efficient, right? And so I encouraged my team to actually learn that and subsequent teams that I've actually led, um, folks that were in analytical functions, be it at a analyst or a manager level, requirement was that they have some knowledge in either R or Python so they can do it at scale. In Concentric, we live off it too, right? It's just yeah. so efficient and you, you, you know, you eliminate so many errors that are tied to Excel. That's right. You have so much control, like even the visualizations you can pre-program, right? It's That's right. Very, That's right. It, it's underrated. It's underrated. So that kind of gets you, that gets you through descriptions and diagnostics. Yeah. What, what are you using around predicting or prescribing? Where, where are you at today? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I'll tell you about that. I mean, yeah, but back to my comment, right? So, so we also started using Tableau very heavily, right, for our descriptive analytics, which I found to be quite amazing, actually. Um, and so for predictive and sort of optimization exercises, there's a couple of things that, that I've experienced, right? So I've been in smaller enterprises where we've done a lot of, you know, sort of, you know, ad hoc, um, you, know, uh, you know, local predictions on our individual machines, and we've largely used R for that, right? Um, in the team that, uh, that I'm currently on, right, so, so, so Torqueda, uh, we have a fantastic team of you know, PhDs, their own domain experts, right? So we have folks that are experts in NLP, we have folks that are perhaps experts in operation research, or perhaps some you know, heavier form of optimizations. Um, and so our, um, our lingua franca is Python, like it's you know, popular you know, kind, of, kind of nowadays in most uh, sophisticated data science environments. Um, so uh, we're a Python shop, uh, that's where we do all of our you know, predictive algorithms, that's where we, where we use all for all of our optimization algorithms. Um, Python is underscoring, honestly, a lot of the programming frameworks that we have uh, for Torqueda as a business entity. Uh, we're fully on the cloud, so we use um, the Google Cloud Platform as, as for a host of things, right? Not just for our compute engine, but also, you know, data storage and data pipelines and things Yeah, sure. Like that. it's, a, it's an infrastructure that's it's getting a, built into it, right? Just right. turn it on and it goes. That's right. That's right. That's right. Just thinking about the journey, you've covered like every tool and you've been in multiple kind of situations and circumstances. Um, very, you know, probably a, a wider variety than my career and it, mine's pretty broad. What do you see as the next kind of big idea? What's going to happen next uh, five years from now, 10 years from now? It's an interesting Interesting question, Greg. I think there's there's a couple of things. One is we're we're you know we're certainly playing a part in terms of a kind of a proof of concept and pilot, which is I think um, I think blockchains, you know, particularly sort of private or hybrid blockchains, are going to be more and more relevant um, in industries where supply chain is is kind of a, a heavy portion of their expenditures or their business operations. And so I think that's going to become more front and center, um, uh, and so certainly something that we're looking towards. I think the second piece that's big, Greg, is within the analytics realm, right, is this, um, you know, whole bifurcation of, you know, data scientists, right? I mean, it's, it's almost like you're morphing into, you on the left side, data scientists are going to be morphing much more into the, you know, what I would kind of characterize as like full stack data scientists, right? Folks who are incredible programmers, um, they're very good data engineers, right? They know how to set up data pipelines, batch or streaming, right? doesn't matter, they know how to do that. Um, they know how to do, honestly, a bit of UI, right? I mean, they, they know how to, you know, they're, they're familiar with those frameworks. Um, 
little bit of web development, APIs, and things like that, and certainly models, right? But I think you know, algorithms um, are being democratized nowadays, right? I mean, for the most part, you can have out-of-the-box algorithms for predictive analytics, be it you know, natural language processing or image recognition or, or you know, text-to-speech, speech-to-text, whatever else. And so there's less of a need for someone to be an algorithmic expert, right? And so I think on the left side, you will have data scientists morphing into this full-stack data science role very sophisticated. And on the right side, I think we will have a greater need to sort of democratize analytics for the masses. And what I mean by that is, you know, if, if you, and you and I talked about this a little bit before, uh, before this call, is you have these functional analysts, right, in finance and supply chain and, you know, pricing and marketing and whatnot. And for the most part, especially in traditional industries, folks are still using traditional tools, right? And, and we still have Practices and processes that are taking, you know, a day, tons of time, Ton, yeah, ton of time, ton of time, tons of time, and so it's one of those things that you know um, you don't know what you don't know, right? So un unless you're sort of familiar with the programming frameworks and what something like a Python or R or whatever else can enable in terms of just speed, efficiency, creativity, you're not going to be able to sort of improve. But I see a greater need for companies to upskill their workforce to actually have those skill sets. Not only that, but you know, certainly the, the, the baseline capabilities of like SQL, right, which is like your fundamental you know, sort right. of querying data extraction language still for companies. And so I think that morphing on the right side. That bifurcation, right, yeah. Bifurcation is going to happen, right? Because we, so, we, we call it the appetite comes with the food, right? As soon as people know yeah. what happened, they want to know what's going to happen. And then that's right. What, that's right. what might happen and what's the most probable thing. That's right. So, That's right. so we're getting close to the end of our time for the interview. I, I always have a one surprise question. What would you have told yourself twenty years ago to that you you know know now? Oh, so many, so many things. Should we keep it professional? Uh, about <laughs> so you get to say you get to pick one. So take your time. Yeah. Take your time. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'll probably, I mean, maybe I'll pick a couple. Right. So I think I think one. Um, I would have. Um, I, I loved business and I would never trade my business school experience. I think, you know, UVA is a fantastic school. I would have gotten um, probably a master's in computer science degree uh, when I was younger, right? I mean, I think I would have loved that. I think it would have been a fantastic experience. Um, I, think that's, I think that's number one. Um, and I think, you know, maybe, maybe number two is, you know, as sort of a younger analytics practitioner, right? Uh, an important lesson is focus. I mean, you hear this, Quite often, right, but like focus way less on the analytic sophistication or the tools that you're using or whatever else, and much more on the impact, right? Much more on the actual implementable, actionable impact that resonates with business folks, right? Especially with end users and senior executives that are supporting you, right? I mean, I think that's a that's a fundamentally very, very important lesson for all analytics practitioners, right? Is is the method and the tools are secondary or tertiary, right? What matters is the actual business results that you're driving through your insights and the analytics, right? And, then, and there's, and I think many younger people, it's really hard for them to still understand that. And I think it's really important that we sort of- Yeah, because the, the science is exciting. That's the problem, That's right? right. You, That's you, right. That's right. You, is this like psychic income of learning and discovering? And it's like, yeah, but I need to make a decision as a business user at two o'clock on Tuesday, man. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, one more. Do you have one more thing? Are those two? Those are the two. 
That's that. That's it. And maybe maybe investing in Bitcoin when it was like you know, <laughs> when it's a hundred dollars. Well, Armin, thanks. You know, we we're building up this community. Hopefully, um, you know, we'll get a lot more people in, and there'll be stories that other people can share. Um, you know, we have the website. Um, thanks so much for being here today, and thanks for everyone who's tuning in to Roadmap to Revenue. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thank you very much, Greg. Pleasure, pleasure meeting you. Bye. Yeah, you too. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and share this episode with your network. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Concentric. We enable business to find their maximum revenue through prescriptive analytics. Our platform builds a mathematical twin of your market to understand the past, forecast how plans will work in the future, and search for opportunities to improve that forecast. This gives you the foresight and optimization capability that delivers revenue and a return on investment. Ready to experience market simulation just like our customers, Whirlpool, Universal, and Comcast? Contact us today at concentricmarket.com.